And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. streaming live at richarddugan.com with the podcast at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Player FM, and a whole bunch of other locations. And we encourage you to listen to the entire podcast because... Uh, based upon our guests' availability, we may go longer than the 50 minutes that is normally allotted to us here on the radio program. And uh, when you're at the podcast, when you're listening to it, if you're listening to it on the SoundCloud player, there's a little grocery card up there. You click on it. It'll take you to our guest website. If you're just listening elsewhere, click on our guest's name uh, there in the, uh, in the player field, and it will take you to our guest's website as well. And we encourage you to do that. Go to their website, find out about what they're doing, what they're all about. And if you'd like to get involved with what they're doing, maybe if they have a book, which most of our guests do, order it. Uh, find out what else they have to offer. Please, uh, please continue that process. Also, if you like what we are doing and you'd like to support us financially, we would be greatly appreciative of that. We do have a PayPal and Patreon account, and uh, the links are on the homepage as well as the missions page. And if this is your first time listening, why don't you go to the missions page while you're listening to this interview? You can read about what we're all about and what we've been doing since 2007, what I've been doing probably for the last 40 plus years in this industry and in this business and in the uh, act of interviewing people, trying to look for those new ways of living and giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come come true and we thank those who have supported and will support and will even take energetic support as well a guest today uh, is going to share with you some very interesting and timeless uh, timeless things uh, we're going to talk about uh, uh, the high spirited and memorable memoirs of our guest who is uh, Joey Goodkin she is the author of you can do it. It's timeless wisdom from a trailblazing businesswoman. And uh, Joey, thank you so much for joining us here on the program. It's a pleasure to have you with us. It's a delight for me to join you, Richard. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, I have to tell you that uh, I'm, I'm quite fond uh, of you because, well, I am quite fond of redheads. So there you go. Um, <laughs> you have 45 spec uh, specific ways uh, basically to benefit and enhance our life uh, and our businesses as well as our goals. And we're going to talk about that as well. Uh, so we encourage folks to stay with us. So, by the way, this particular book is a rare gem that will inspire you to build more confidence, grow your business or career and and uh, soar higher and farther, and at the same time, go inward and learn more about yourself and the ultimate potential you have. Now, with that being said, Joey, that ties in so beautifully with what we're doing here this year with uh, Tell Me Your Story in this 2020, the year of perfect vision. We are encouraging people to go within, shut out all of the other stuff, Turn it off. Get away from the screens. <laughs> Get out in nature and just listen. Whether you listen just with your ears or listen with that inner ear to that still small voice. Tell us about your... Uh, I, I'm, it's interesting, the, the shift of my interviews, though still basically the same, especially here with 2020, the year of perfect vision. I'm curious about when your 
inner journey began and how it began? Was there a pivotal moment, a catalytic moment? My inner journey, I'm going to take that, Richard, as meaning more of a focus on a spiritual path. Yes. Is that what you mean by That's, inner journey? Yes, indeed. Well, like many things in my life, it happened quite unexpectedly, and it was the last thing I was thinking about. Um, I had been a businesswoman a long time, and I'm sure in this interview we'll get to that. But my husband was um, invited to go talk to some clients in, of all places, it was Hong Kong. And I went with him. And I loved the food there. And every day I ate this sesame chicken, had a wonderful time. And when I got back to the States, I thought, gee, I can't just go home. I may not fit in my clothes. I want to go to a spa. Well, to make this a little shorter, I wind up looking for a spa with a diet program. I wind up being sort of pushed, if you will, to Palm Springs because no other place I wanted to go to uh, had availability or was even open. So I go to this little place in Palm Springs that reminded me of sort of a Girl Scout camp on the moon. I mean, it wasn't fancy or anything. And I didn't even expect to like it. And I thought, well, I'll just stay and he can have a car pick me up tomorrow because I'm this fancy business lady and I don't think I'm going to be happy here. Well, I have to tell you, I go with them on the walk. And I fall in love with what is known as Alpine Glow. It's the purple lavender cast on the mountains. And you're walking and I felt like I had been transported to the most peaceful, blissful, wonderful experience I had ever known. So I thought to myself, wow, this is incredible. And a little voice inside me said, your home. And I, I just was like totally in awe. I went back to the breakfast they had and they served a slice of cantaloupe and a muffin that looked like a hockey puck. <laughs> and I took it outside and I just was like looking at these mountains like, like somebody had lifted a great curtain off of my psyche. And I called my husband, I said, I'm not coming back maybe ever. I mean, I was like blown away. So I went to their yoga, I ate their food, and I met these women there who had turned me on to a book, which at the time was a new spiritual book called Jonathan Livingston Seagull uh -huh. and by, by Richard Bach. And that was the start of it. That was the start of my going inward. I had a massage and they played Stephen Halpern's music, which was very new then. Nobody had heard of Stephen Halpern. And now I'm actually a sound healer too. And Stephen Halpern was a great influence. So I don't know if you expected me to say this much, but it was such a pivotal time. It was such an awareness that there's so much more than just your everyday do list and getting a job done that it changed me forever. And I kept going back to Palm Springs and back to Palm Springs. All I wanted to do was sell my business and go be in the mountains. However, you didn't do that. Well, eventually I did. <laughs> eventually I did. I sold everything. I moved to California at the time. 
my businesses were in Florida and I would take the red eye and the same guy, Bill, would pick me up at LAX and drive me to Palm Springs and drop me off sometime in the middle of the night. Um, and I would just be blissed out to be there. It was, it was the energy, it was the something, but it was the opportunity. And that's what's key for all of us listening. It was the opportunity to realize, hey, there's a lot more out there if we are open to it, if we let it in, no matter how slowly, and it doesn't have to be a big shift, just how slowly you widen your awareness, deepen your thoughts to know that there's so much more in this universe and you can tap into it. It's one of the things we talk about here on this program is that unseen world, if you will, uh, of potential as well as possibility. And uh, it is one of those aspects of our lives that we are actually steered away from by all institutions, including uh, including the religious institutions. Um, and uh, and that's really unfortunate because then we end up missing out on Again, those those incredible possibilities. Um, now, as you have continued to listen to that still small voice, um, have there been instances where you have initially maybe resisted? Oh, no, 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 no. I I, I don't want to do that. And then eventually, it's like. Oh, okay. I'll acquiesce and okay, I'll go that way. <laughs> have you had experiences like that? I'm sure I have. Nothing specific is coming to mind except to say that I have one of the chapters in my book is called Trust Your Intuition. And I tell an absolutely fabulous story in it that, um, contains elements of what you just said, Richard, because when I was a little girl, one of my favorite people in the world was my aunt Sylvia, but mm. she left when I was four years old, because in those days, people who got divorced sometimes were banished and you never saw them again and nobody in the family talked to them. And this was a, an aunt by marriage. So I missed her terribly. And I vowed as a four-year-old that I would find out what happened to her. Well, I will tell you this, and this is true. It took me 50 years, but I found her. And to answer your question, I was guided, and this sounds nuts, but I'm telling you everyone, this is true. I was guided to go with my daughter to St. George, Utah. Now I'm born and raised in New York, lived in Florida, moved to California. St. George, Utah was like telling me I should go to Mars for the weekend, okay? <laughs> yeah. But I, I thought my, this intuition is really strong and I'm feeling like, okay, and we found this phenomenal spa there. Now to make a long story really short, I love to hike and there was a lady who introduced herself to someone else who had a funny last name that I remembered from a potential real estate deal. 
So I asked her if she lived where that real estate was, which was in Maryland, and she said yes. And by that point, I had tracked my aunt to Silver Spring, Maryland. So I asked her if her mother knew a woman with my aunt's name. And she said, you know, I think she has a friend named Sylvia, so-and-so, you know. So she got me a phone number. Now, the phone number was my aunt and it took 50 years and I called her on the phone and I told her when I was a little girl, my name was, cause she hadn't seen me since I was four and here I am 54. It was her and we talked for three hours. Mm. Now don't ask me, how did I know to go to St. George, Utah to be on a hike to overhear that woman's name that I wouldn't have known if her name was Smith or Dugan or something normal. She had this really long, weird name. That's why I remembered it. And I found my aunt. Now there's a perfect example of being guided towards something and in the course of finding my aunt, there were things that came up that I decided not to pursue. And that was the right decision too. A lot of times we find it difficult to uh, follow that guidance, don't we? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's so foreign to us. And, and we're, more, we're more interested in listening to the voices on the outside. You know, our parents, our teachers, the clergy, whatever, whatever philosophy that might be within, um, best friends and so forth, uh, longtime acquaintances and what have you. Uh, and sometimes, sometimes it's just even a passerby that somehow you might wind up in a conversation and they may share something with you. And yet I, it's been said to me, uh, Joey, that uh, we have all the answers inside. We don't have to Absolutely. even, we don't have to go outside. We have everything we need within us, yeah. and we're sort of like human onions. The more we peel away, we never seem to get to the end. Yeah, and there's always and there's always something new. But like I said in my book, in trusting your intuition, mm-hmm. I was very blessed, very fortunate, Richard, that I knew by that time when I was looking and found my aunt that I should follow my intuition. There were many examples of it. And I I really believe for those of us who are out there listening to this and thinking, oh, that's the craziest story I ever heard. But it is true that you will get messages, if you will. You will get directions. You will see something. And the whole point is paying attention to seeing if it has any special meaning for you. One of the things I mentioned in my book is that I was in a Costco And I was looking for a book to read. And a man behind me said, oh, you have to read this book. And it was called Pillars of the Earth. And I thought, why would I want to read that? But because at that point, I felt if somebody's suggesting a book to me, and this doesn't, now I'm sounding like a commercial, but I'm saying it anyway. (laughs) If If somebody suggests a book to you, there's a reason you're hearing about that book. There's something in that book that will enrich your life. Well, I read that Pillars of the Earth. It was all about building Salisbury Cathedral in England, which I'd never read a book like that. But I found it fascinating that it took people 750 years to build a cathedral brick by brick by brick over all those centuries. 
that it was a great testament to what man can do when he puts his mind to something to build it. And I, it became one of my favorite books. So if somebody suggests a book to me in Costco or anywhere, I kind of perk my ears and think, is this a message? Is, is there something here for me? And I found just from experience that sure enough, typically there is. I know that uh, I've had experiences in my life, uh, one in particular that actually brought me to Santa Barbara, where I and my wife live today. Uh, and it was one of those experiences of just it was just knowing. And and I was talking with someone just the other day about the four different uh, types of uh, of shall we say, intuition, you know, and one of them, um, clairsentient, I think is what it's called, where you just know that you know that you know, you know, there mm -hmm. isn't a question. And um, I had just lost my job due to uh, uh, the sale of the radio station I was working for in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, my last day was February 28th of 2006. And I was sitting at my desk March 1st, cleaning out my desk and what have you. And my wife was working as a supervisor at uh, the uh, Scottsdale Memorial Hospital. And she was going to have a meeting with uh, her, her supervisors and so forth around 2 o'clock. And I get a phone call at 2.30 in the afternoon. And uh, the first words out of her mouth over the phone were, um, I just quit my job. And, of course, in my head I'm screaming, do you know that I'm unemployed too? <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. But even from that moment, there was no fear as opposed to in years gone by when I would lose a job and I, I, I oh, my gosh, what am I going to do and where will I go next? And that, da, 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 da. there was no fear. It's not that I knew what I was going to do next or what we were going to do next. It was just that there was no fear. And that evening we're sitting in front of the TV and she sits down next to me and says, I'm scared. I, 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 I'm, uh, I feel like we're on the edge of a precipice. And again, I'm still in that mode of non-fear. And I say, well, from everything I've learned over the years through all of the different modalities, you do two things when you're on the edge of a cliff. You jump and you trust. And the next thing you know, we take a week's vacation out here to Santa Barbara to do a little R&R&R. Uh, and then go back home and put the house up for sale. And the next thing you know, I'm living by the ocean where I've wanted to live for a long, long time. And now I'm here talking with you, Joey Goodkin, about your book, You Can Do It. Sometimes we don't even know what it is we can do until the opportunity opens up to us. And that's one of the struggles that I want to have you talk about a little bit, uh, about patience. You know, it's one thing to listen to that still small voice or to have that inner knowing or that awareness of the feeling, if you will, whatever the case might be. But it's another what? thing to sit still and be patient to allow the universe to create the opportunity for you, because if you push, it could fall apart initially. Your thoughts. I, my thought on that is that, Richard, you are the poster boy for my book because <laughs> every, everything you're saying, I've written about and I've given examples. And I, too, 
will share with you that my greatest opportunities came because I did not get something I wanted. And I hope people really hear that. I'm gonna say it again. My greatest opportunities came from not getting what I thought I really wanted. And what launched my business career was that I had been a very good advertising uh, salesperson. I could sell ads. I was, I was really good at it. And at one point I had 112 active accounts. This is in Florida. And I thought I've maxed out this local newspaper I'm working for. And I went and asked this society magazine if they would like to hire me to sell advertising. I told them I don't even need a salary. I, I'll just work straight commission. And I was, if I tell you, shocked and couldn't believe it, they did not want to hire me. I said, you don't want to hire me to sell advertising? I thought that was nuts. I already have 112 accounts. I can convert a lot of them. And the man said to me, because I wanted to expand it to the west part of the county I was in, and they were all very East Coast Yacht Club oriented. Um, <laughs> They said, we don't want those people. Oh. The guy really said that. Wow. So I didn't know quite what those people meant because I was kind of naive, but I left their building. And if I was in a movie, you'd see my arms go up in the air. And I was thinking, if this is the competition, I'm going to start my own magazine. And that's exactly what I did. And I started a magazine on my kitchen table that I later sold on Wall Street. And the person who bought it from me, are you ready for this? I'm ready. Later, later sold it to the people that wouldn't hire me because I really buried them. My circulation went all over the county, in their territory, all over the place. They had to buy me out from the guy who bought my magazine. And if they had just hired me, I wouldn't have had the same career in magazine publishing and so on with the other stuff I did. I would have been an ad salesperson for them, a good one and expanded their circulation. But what a difference that, that made in my life. They launched my career by not hiring me. Isn't that funny? So, so, so when you lose something or you don't get a job you want or you're fired from a job, my thought is to look at it as a blessing. There's a silver lining in there someplace. Focus on that because yeah. something better ha now has an opening to come in for you. I can attest to that also. Uh, it, it has felt like I've always been in the right place at the right time in my career. Uh, and even when I was working in a multi-level marketing program and I was on the inside, producing the product uh, or working uh, in a warehouse filled with light bulbs with a bunch of other people. Uh, I still felt like I was in the right place at the right time, even though broadcasting and interviewing and all of that uh, was what I really wanted to be doing. Uh, I, I kind of took the pause. I kind of took the step away from it to sort of recalibrate, you know, and that kind of thing. And right. it's just been very, very interesting. And I even had a situation in the year 2000 uh, where 
uh, I was laid off from four different jobs. Wow. And the first two times that I was laid off, I would go to the unemployment office and I would file all the papers to get unemployment uh, while I was looking. And the first two times that I did that, within two weeks, I had a job. So I got no check because you had to be unemployed for at least two weeks before you would get your first check. So I decided on the third and the fourth time I was laid off, I wasn't even going to bother going to the unemployment office. (laughs) I was just going to put it out there. And of course, you know, things just kind of came together. And uh, so I've I felt fortunate. I don't know whether I live under a lucky star or or what it is, or I've got a lucky birthmark somewhere. I don't know. But the thing that has really, I think, encouraged me is the people I've surrounded myself with. Now, that's not to say that I go to them always for advice and what we were talking about earlier in terms of I already know what I need to know. And I'll seek people out not to get answers, more to get confirmation But it seems to me, Joey, that the people that you surround yourself are extremely important, aren't they? Yes, it makes all the difference in the world. And I recommend very strongly in the book that if you're a person who's a little bored with your life right now and and you're just doing the same things over and over again, a key thing to do is to think of something that made you happy. What were you doing that put a smile on your face? Was it dancing? Was it playing with clay? Was it a class? Was it Chai Chi? Was it just meeting friends for coffee? Whatever it was, seek out like-minded people who want to do some of those things and go join those things or start those things or go yourself and get coffee and talk to the person at the next table if they look inviting. It just put yourself out there where you would like to find people that think like you or or enjoy what you enjoy. And you have to make that effort because it's not going to happen if you just sit home on your couch and moan about it. Yeah, that's true. I actually did have a period, a short, short period in my early years. And it was when I was probably 18 or 19, maybe in my 20s, and I was still living with my parents at the time. Uh, I had skipped... Nine, I think it was nine months, six or nine months of going to college because uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I mean, it was like I, I was maybe in that hiatus period. Now, I was born legally blind. I had uh, three conditions, nystagmus, stigmatism and bilateral cataracts. And um, I was I was labeled. This is the way I phrased it. I was I was labeled by the state as legally blind. So, you know, I couldn't drive and, you know, so forth. And I got into my own personal pity party again for a very short time. I mean, not even a month where I said to my mom, look, (coughs) the state is the one that labeled me this, not me. It's not my fault. Blah, 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 blah. Victim, you know, and Mm -hmm. I can't exactly remember what it was that turned it around. But at that particular point in time, I decided to go on Social Security disability, you know, because I was legally blind. So I was entitled. And I was on that for, again, a very short time. And then I went to college I went to a community college in Phoenix. And uh, I was there for three semesters. And I had a blast uh, in college. Uh, I was taking classes that I did not think uh, I wanted to take even when I was in high school. And yet I took uh, English 101 
And uh, I was sitting there in the class, and the very first day they were going through the syllabus, you're going to be writing five essays. Scared the daylights out of me because I don't think I had ever written an essay, even in high school. Yeah. And yet by the end of the course, I had written five great essays that got great marks, had a great time doing it, learning about the format for that particular presentation. And then the next thing I know, my um, uh, my counselor there at the college told me about a job down in the audiovisual department. So I took that while I was there. And I so I was able to work, make money, work with equipment, audio, video equipment and so forth. Then he tells me about a radio station that's just opening up. It's just getting uh, getting started. And it was a radio reading service for the blind and visually impaired. Well, golly, there I could be a client, too. Anyway, I went right. down there and I applied. They had an oral reading test, a series of sheets of paper with different printing on it from books, magazines, newspapers, etc. And you had to pass this oral reading test in order to be able to maybe take on a program. Maybe they would uh, do uh, a program on short stories or a program on science fiction or cooking or what have you. And they would be reading from various books and periodicals and printed materials, as well as li- live reading of the newspaper. In our, in our case, it was the Arizona Republic there in Phoenix. And I failed it. However, I was so interested in working there, they hired me, and I started uh, August 29th of, tw- uh, of 1979 wow. at, at the age of 19, and I never looked back. Now, the funny thing about it is, I'm here with you right now, right? And mm-hmm. we're doing this wonderful interview. Well, I have taken that oral reading test, which, by the way, has changed over the years. I've taken it five times. Uh, and I'm in a very unique group of people. Uh, professional broadcasters, newscasters. I haven't passed that oral reading test yet. Wow. And it doesn't really matter because, well, like I said, here we are. Uh, right. So it sometimes when you go after something, it may not work out the way you think. And I'm curious about your mindset as you moved forward in your early career, in your early uh, growing uh, through a lot of the things that you now share, especially through your own what what you have uh, deemed Joeyisms, which I really like. That's very cool. Um, that sometimes we have to go through those th- go through those challenges to get to the other side, just to see what our our capabilities are. Right. Talk right. to us about that a little bit. Well, what a Joeyism is, and I spell my name J-O-I-E, what a Joeyism is, like you mentioned before, is 45, in this book anyway, it's a specific way to benefit and enhance your life, your business, and your goals. And most of them will have a point of view. Some are very specific about business, and some are very specific about life. But an underlying theme of all of them is that there is always something you can do if you make yourself aware of it and put your mindset in a good place to accomplish what your goal is. Very key 
to everything, in my opinion, and it's very key to my book, is a quote from Henry Ford that says, if you think you can, or you think you can't, you're right. Yeah. Everything starts in your own mind. If you already think you can't do something, you could have the best coach in the world, but if you don't think you can make a touchdown, you could have the best, 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 best champion coach, but you have to be the one to know that you could take that football and run down the field. And that's just an analogy for whatever your field is, for whatever your touchdown is, whatever your goal is. It might even be as simple as not thinking you could do a certain recipe right. Well, change your mind. Yes, you can do this. Try again till you get it right. Because there's no limit on how many times you can do something before you get a different result. It's not, I know there's that saying, you keep hitting your head against the wall, hoping for a different result. But to me, if you believe you can do something and you make little tweaky minor changes, I really believe you can make happen whatever it is that you want in your life. But you have to believe you can do it because your whole life is created by the thoughts that are already in your head. Change your thinking, change your life. That's, that's what I think about that. And the Joeyisms make it a wonderful way to learn things because they're short, pithy sayings that anybody can relate to. I mean, I could flip through my book and find one if you'd like me to do that. Absolutely. I also encourage people to go to your website, which is Joey Goodkin. That's J-O-I-E-G-O-O-D-K-I-N.com. Uh, you can get, find Joeyisms on her website, Advice and Wisdom with a Smile. Uh, and one in particular, uh, matter of fact, I've got one right in front of me. It's rare that you get what you want or need on the first try. Don't take no as a personal rejection. You must realize that no often means you simply haven't shown the value of what you have to offer. And that's very interesting because... Like you, I uh, my very first job was as a paper boy. And I have to tell you that it hasn't made any difference what other job I've ever had. I always say this, and even to this day, as much as I love doing what I'm doing right now, if it were available to me, I could and if I could do it and survive financially, I would be a paperboy again on a bicycle delivering newspapers to people because I got to meet some incredibly interesting people, have great conversations with them. It wasn't just toss the paper on Sunday morning or during the week and uh, then go collect the money and, and that's it. Uh, I made it out, out of I made it into relationships. It was so cool. It was like delivering the paper was just like a secondary thing. Right. Um, and that's one of the things I love about this. In this case. I don't have to deliver the paper. I get to meet new and interesting people all the time on this program, and it's fantastic. Uh, I, I look at it this way. It's like Christmas, and I get to open up a new Christmas present every time I do one of these interviews, and I get to find out about uh, somebody else's world and find out about their philosophy, the way they see the world, the way they see things. 
And maybe there'll be something there that'll stick, and I'll incorporate that into my life. You talked about messages. James Redfield talks about that in the Celestine Prophecy series, and that right. it's so important for us to share those messages. James Redfield's one of my heroes because he was the first one to sell books out of the trunk of his car <laughs> and, do, and do better than the traditional publishers. So, I mean, my book today is, of course, on Amazon. They seem to be primary in mm-hmm. in selling books, but it's available in any bookstore. You can get it at Barnes & Noble, anywhere, uh, Goodreads. But Amazon is today where years ago, uh, things were different, and he sold his books out of the trunk of his car. And that's still one of my favorite things to do. So if you meet me in person, I surely can sell you one out of the trunk of my car. <laughs> but but he, he started that. Um, I opened the book. Here's a Joeyism. I, I don't know. They all seem to just fit where they go. But Absolutely. this is Joeyism number 40. And what this one is, it says, sometimes the value of something isn't obvious. And you may not realize it for a long time. But if you shift your thinking, everything can look and feel different. You have to be open to go with the flow because anything you fight tends to fight you back. Wow. Yeah, I would say that's absolutely true. One of the things. Go ahead. ahead. How many Joey-isms are there? There's 45 in the book, and they've gotten very good comments and feedback, and people really relate to them. There's something in this. It's a very different kind of book. It tells my funny stories about stuff I did in my career that you would look at me and go, did you really do that? And my answer is, yes, I did. But um, they're so timeless. They're so um, natural to the human condition that just reading any of those 45, not any, because some of them are particularly for business, but most of them apply to your life in general. They're just an easy way to wake up and realize something that you could switch or fix in how you're thinking about anything. And it makes you feel better. It's like, I think it's really important to find the joy in things. And in this day and age, in these times, we have to make a concerted effort to add joy to our life because that's what makes us feel good. That's what we love. The idea is you're given one life. You're really blessed. So don't put a lot of stuff in it that makes you unhappy or upset. Try and weed that out and find things to think, to do, people to be with, uh, ideas to share, books to read, things to paint. I mean, you can have more fun in an art gallery in a library if you look at it differently than you may have ever thought about a library before. There's every experience in the world in any library. And we just need to realize it's the simple stuff that really makes our life terrific. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. We're talking with Joey Goodkin. She is the author of You Can Do It. We're going to dive into that when we come back here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I encourage you to go to our podcasts and uh, listen to the entire interview. Uh, We are going to be here for a little while longer, and we want you to be here, too. Stay tuned to Tell Me Your Story here in 2020, the year of perfect vision. Tell me. 
Welcome back to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I am Richard Dugan along with Joey Goodkin, and we're talking about uh, an incredible life uh, that that she has lived and is still living and probably will for another 40 or 50 years. I have to tell you, uh, Joey, that that you and I may be around a long time because, see, I have to outlive my great-grandmother. She lived to be 100, and I was telling everybody that I was going to outlive her, but she was making it really hard, and it wasn't that I wanted her to die. Don't get me wrong. But there was something about her and about the, her longevity that I wanted to match, if not exceed. So I still have at least one more lifetime to go. I'm not even I barely 60 years of age. And uh, so I'm looking forward to the next 40 myself. When we talk about your book, You Can Do It. What is it? Everybody's it is personal and different. Your it could be having the best uh, radio shows. Someone else's it is eating the best meal. Someone else's it is climbing Mount Everest. It's whatever your goal is, whatever your it is, you have to take the courageous step and see your goals materialize in a way that makes you smile. And no, you can do it, whatever that it is, whatever that it is. They're all different. Hmm. Well, it sounds to me like that's the step one we have to dive into to find out what our it is, or as we will put into our modern, if you will, vernacular, our life's purpose. And a lot of people are struggling with that. And at the same time, I don't know where you were during 2008, 2009, and that I'm going to say alleged economic downturn. And I'll tell you why. Because I don't remember suffering through any financial difficulties during that time. Something tells me that it was more of a mindset. But there will be those who will say, hey, look, pal, I lost my job because the real estate industry and stock market, they played games with this and that and the other thing. All right, well, be that as it may, um, uh, I, I just find it interesting that um, what we are focusing on sometimes isn't what we should be focusing on. And, and this basically doesn't it just take us right back to where we started, and that is going within and meditating if necessary or if possible, uh, pondering s- s- the things that are happening around us, listening to that still small voice. Is that is that really where we need to be coming from or going to, shall we say? I'd say it's a part of it. I'd say it's a part of it. And I think every person would probably relate to it uh, almost like if you picture a pie some people need the whole pie. Other people need just a small slice to get satisfied from it. And we're all, we're all different. There's, some of us are much more uh, spiritual and go within than others. But I really believe that where, whoever you are, wherever you are in your life, if you're very frustrated and scared about something that you feel is beyond your control, 
I think you have to accept where you are and then say, what can I change or add to my life that could make a difference? And if it's about getting a job, maybe the way you're going about getting a job is too small for you because there could be other jobs you're not even considering. I have found that the more you think outside the box, the more you realize that you're the one limiting yourself. I mean, you can put yourself in a cage and lock it, but I'm saying in order to unlock it, you have to recognize that A, you may need a bigger cage or B, you may need to just get out of that cage and find something different completely. Well, how do you do that? Like I said before, think of things that you enjoy doing. Visualize, like if you close your eyes and visualize, what was I doing when I felt really happy? Or how would I like to be spending my free time? And could I expand that free time into a greater portion of my time? I think it's realistic to know you have to start someplace. And if you're dealing with an awful lot of difficulty and you have in your own mind very few options, then you have to think as best you can with the options you have that you believe you have. Can you expand any of them? Can you um, talk to someone, meet someone, go to a class, um, be friendlier? I, I have found, this is gonna sound a little crazy, but it, it works for me. You know how when we buy groceries or we have a server in a restaurant or something, they usually wear a name tag. Mm -hmm. I find that if I thank the person by their name in the grocery store, I'll say, oh, thank you, Jennifer. It'll put a smile on that person's face. When I go back to that grocery store, she'll wave to me. It's like you can expand the goodness and the good feelings that you feel by something as small as calling someone else by their name. Everybody loves to be called by their name. It's these tiny little things that start to shift your reality. Just being friendlier, just letting yourself be open to saying hello to a person's name frees you up a little bit from that tightness that you're feeling very restricted by. It's just small steps, little tiny things add up and they will make a difference for you. And the patience is to have patience with yourself that you're on a path of making yourself happier, smaller, incrementally. You're more open to talking to a person you never thought you'd like. Give them a chance. You don't know until you invest some of your time what the reward can be for you. You know, we're not puppies that any reward that you give us, we're thrilled with. We all have our own specific things that we feel are rewards. So I'm just saying, try and add more openness, more smiles. If you say hello to people more and they say hello to you, it just, it just makes you feel that little glow inside just a little more than it did yesterday. If you walk around with a face that, that you're always frowning and you don't say anything to anybody, 
Well, that's how you're going to be perceived. What you give out, you get back. So I'm just saying it's not like you have to make big changes, but you do have to change your thinking. You do have to incrementally realize that if everything isn't going right for you, look in the mirror. Are you always there when things are going wrong? Well, maybe you have something to do with it. So you need to, in my opinion, add to your happiness by even if it's as simple as smiling more and saying hello to people or eating something that's a treat for you more often, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be big, but all those little things will make you breathe more deeply, will make you maybe get interested in sitting quietly. That's how you start to meditate. You sit quietly and you think of a scene or like the ocean or the beach or whatever it is that you like. If you could do it for three minutes, that's a start. You know, nobody's expecting you to be a yogi who levitates on day one. It's like, just start where you are, one minute, two minutes, but be mindful that you're trying to expand your life so that you feel better. And that's, that's my way of doing it incrementally, little at a time. And these Joeyisms are all ideas that help you to do that. I'm curious as to whether or not you have a uh, book of Joeyisms coming out, aside from the book you were talking about today, You Can Do It. You know, I never even thought of it, Richard. I'm just so glad that this book finally got out. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't thought about anything except wanting to share this book because it's my sincere belief that whoever picks up this book, there's something good in there for them. I sincerely believe that. That's what motivated me to write it. Yeah. It really is because, yes, it tells my story in a funny way, and that's cute and all that. But there, there's timeless wisdom in here. There's, you remember that book, Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten? Oh, yeah. It kind of like is that basic, but it does it in a way that hopefully a person reading it gets an aha moment like, Oh, I could try that. That's easy. I could do that. And they recognize themselves in the book and in the Joeyisms because we all do that. We're, there's None of us is exempt from feeling cranky or bad or limited. I mean, so this is a way of adding more joy to your life. It's a way of being more inspired. And that's why I wrote the book because that, that's what it's about. But you've given me an idea, food for thought for the future. Well, I would highly encourage you to do it because uh, these are the kinds of things that people need. And they're not just platitudes. They're they're very sound advice in one sense that we would apply uh, to our lives uh, and uh, to help other people as well. And that's one of the things that we're here to do is to help one another to uh, to get, so to speak, to the other side uh, of the road, the river, what have you, in terms of... Um, thriving. One of the things that I like to say here on this program is that, you know, I'm tired uh, of, of being in the survival mode. I want to be in the thrival mode. Uh, I want to really enjoy my life. I don't want to struggle. I want, I don't want to, I'm, I'm sure that the majority of people who are living paycheck to paycheck, they're tired of living from paycheck to paycheck. It is exhausting. Because you're constantly thinking about it. And certainly there are other, other things we can talk about in that regard. 
But I have to say, you know, you, you described your sales experience, right? And how mm-hmm. good you were and are, right? Well, I thought so. When I was a paper boy and I was going through some files just the other day, I actually have saved all of the stuff that I gathered from that period of time. And I have a bunch of certificates of high salesperson. I went to Disneyland multiple times, won different awards, uh, different prizes, and so on and so on and so on. And um, I still remember one experience that was just so, I'm going to say shameful, um, where for some reason that day, that evening when we were out uh, soliciting subscriptions, I just got so depressed. I was knocking on the door of uh, someone and they came to the door and they were not interested. And I started to beg them to subscribe. Well, of course, they didn't. And when I walked away, I felt awful, like, oh, my, what are you doing? Well, certainly I turned it around and, you know, continued on. When I moved to Santa Barbara back in 2006, which was probably a good 30 years or more since that experience, um, I went to work for a, a company called Bargain Network, where you sat in a cubicle of uh, phones where there were other people in those phone booths, if you will. And they were taking calls. They were incoming calls for a subscription to a pamphlet that they put out every month of um, I think at that time it was cars. So they eventually went into real estate as well and trying to it's kind of like uh, paying thirty nine twenty nine ninety five a month for auto trader. Um, and I absolutely loathed that job. I needed to get work because we needed to start bringing in some money. We'd, you know, we'd kind of exhausted our reserves. I hated that job. It was absolutely awful. And the irony was by the time I left about eight or nine months later, I was for the last three weeks, I was inside what would be called the fishbowl with a bunch of other people whose sales were at the top of the sales chart for the company. And as long as you kept your sales up, you could stay in that room. They served you lunch. You got to take regular breaks, etc., etc. And I remember complaining to my father on the phone one day, and he said, Richard, you could sell ice cubes to Eskimos. And and that wasn't necessarily uh, something that spurred me on and and, and I would have stayed there. Uh, But at least it it let me know that don't worry about it. You're going to be fine. Your job in broadcasting will come along. It'll happen. But in the meantime, don't worry about it. You're going to be all right. So just kind of hang in there. Um, Did you ever have a period of, of time in your sales career where you were selling, and and some people say we're always, always selling. It does even if we're not in a traditional sales job, uh, but that you reached that low point or a low point. Um, there was a time when I had to sell an office building that we owned that if I didn't sell it, the, the mortgage was much more. I mean, I, we would have been really underwater. I remember that. 
And I'm just trying to think, cause kind of like, that's the only thing that comes to mind that was really like a very difficult, a very difficult time. And um, I wound up getting my own real estate license in Florida so I could market the building myself because nobody else was bringing me any customers. And that helped me. But then what I did was I read through all the papers on the mortgage. This is gonna sound bizarre, but I mean, you wouldn't expect to find this, but that's the whole point we're trying to make. Mm -hmm. Richard and I are trying to make the point that there, there's sometimes there's a way outside the box. Well, there was a clause in the mortgage that said you had to rent the space in the building for a minimum in those years of $12 a square foot. And at the time, the real estate market had crashed and you'd be lucky to get $6 a, a foot. So I met with the bank and I said, you're tying my hands because it's impossible to get $12 a square foot and you know it. So your paperwork is keeping me from complying with your paperwork. And they thought that was completely nuts. And then I found some attorney who helped me on some kind of basis that we could manage, I guess some kind of contingency or something. But anyway, the bottom line, because this is a million years ago and it's not the question I expected to be asked, but um, I was able to get them to remove that uh, $12 minimum. And then I was able to get them to reduce my mortgage because of their, the time it took me to try and comply with it. And when they reduced the mortgage, then I was able to get a buyer that could cover the outstanding debt and get out of owning that building. But that was one of the worst. Um, yeah. What a mess. That was from that uh, when the real estate market crashed and stuff like that. But I think that the point I'm trying to make um, was that there's sometimes there could be a solution where you don't expect to find it. And you have to fine tooth comb everything, all the papers, every everything. I mean, if you think of a of an investigation with detectives. They have to look for clues when they're, when most people wouldn't see them. And I think that's what I'm trying to say here is if you find yourself in a situation that looks hopeless, uh, think outside the box because there may be something that you're not seeing that somebody else's eyes can see. A very key point in my book is find people who know more than you about a subject that's a problem for you because there's no harm. It takes nothing away from you that you're smart enough to know somebody else knows more than you do. And there are some of your best ideas could be coming from other people. And in that instance, in that building thing, getting out of that was, wow, that's how I happened to come to California. I couldn't wait to go on a vacation to California and I just never looked back. Mm. But I couldn't have done it the traditional way of waiting for other other real estate people to bring me a buyer. So I got a license and I went out there and knocked on, you know, I just hit it on everybody I could think of who might buy it. Then I got stuck by the $12. Then I read the papers, got around the $12, went to the bank. Sometimes you have to go to the source of the, of the problem and find someone there. If you, the first person you talk to is in your opinion, a jerk, 
ask for somebody else. Ask, you know, on the phone, you try and do something. Well, ask for a supervisor or hang up and call back and you'll get a different person type of thing. Don't feel like you have to be stuck with the guy on the other end of the line. Just hang up and see if you can get somebody else. But in those days, you had to find like the right banker. And I'm not telling you it was the first guy I approached. So you have to be persistent. And uh, that's very key to my book too. Persistence is a, is a key word of my life because just because somebody says no 10 times, it doesn't mean the 11th time you can't convince them with some new information to say yes. And I guess I'll leave it there because that was quite a long answer to a question I didn't expect. Not a problem. I, I think that's one of the things, too, that I've always struggled with with sales. Uh, and, and the typical model has always been, as far as I saw it, this was my experience, was that um, you are going to an individual, whether on the phone or face-to-face, and you are going to them to try to separate them from their money and to give it to you in exchange for certainly a product or service. Uh, but the whole point is, is in a manner of speaking, I'm going to put it this way, to redistribute, re, to redistribute the wealth from them to you or from them to your company. Right. And of late, and probably in the last 10 or 15 years, and again, I've never been in formal sales, but I've done it, you know. Matter of fact, I was headed for a, a sales call back in... Um, uh, 1999, I was hired through the sales staff, but I was hired because they were going to fire the program director, but they hadn't done it yet. So they wanted to have the new program director, me, in-house before they fired the old one, which I thought was pretty shady in, in one sense. Anyway, right. I was I was driving to my my this sales call where the guy was he was ready to sign. It would have been my very first sale in radio. And I get the phone call saying, uh, you need to come back to the station because we're going to pull the trigger. And it's like, oh, man. <laughs> I thought, darn it, I missed an opportunity here. You know, <clears throat> but but you know what? Um, he and I actually stayed friends because he knew I, I wasn't doing this. This was not, not my doing. And he understood what was happening and so forth. But needless to say, it was very interesting uh, these experiences that I've had in f- traditional sales jobs, traditional, that have um, a- 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 that have really opened my eyes to understand that sales isn't about what I just described. Uh, you know, uh, just redistribution of wealth from them to me or my company uh, for the purposes of uh, of filling my coffers. Now, and in the last 15, 20 years, I've been taught it's about establishing and creating relationships. And yet I still struggle with that because it's like, well, yeah, but the motivation for establishing the relationship is almost the same thing. And the more I thought about it and the more I pondered that, the more I realized that wasn't necessarily the case because where I'm working now, I've been here 11 years. The other job I had, I, the uh, Christian radio, I was in for 15 years. Uh, and I got to know a bunch of people, and we worked together, and we did this and that and the other. I mean, it was a great experience. And some of these contacts I actually brought with me as far as guests on this program. 
So what I am finding is that um, part of the process, is it not, Joey, to establish not just relationships? We talked about this, of course, about surrounding yourself, but about creating a network of people that are important to you, aside from the monetary importance. Yes, um, I have a couple of things I'd like to say about that. Please. Um, there's a chapter in my book that the title is All Anybody Buys Are Benefit. No matter what you're selling, the person is going to buy the benefit. Even if you're a dentist, you have to convince them that you know what they're doing. You're not so much selling a product, you're selling yourself. So if somebody can see benefit in what you're doing, that's what they're really buying. Having a network of people, if you approach it, just like you said, Richard, where these are people important to you, they're friends, they're acquaintances, you smile, you talk. Everybody needs more happy people and people to connect with in their life. Because if you focus on the money, you're not gonna be as happy as if you focus on what it takes to have a good network, to have a good job, to enjoy what you're doing. I used to say money's the way people keep score, but if you're in it just for the money, you could very well be very unhappy if that's your only goal. I think that when you're doing something that you enjoy and you realize the value, just as Richard said, of surrounding yourself and adding people to your life that are people that bring you a smile, make you feel good, they lift you up. And even if they just are not um, bringing you down, that's progress. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like you have to have an awareness that who you let in your life is up to you. And the more people you can let in your life that you like, go for it. A simple thing I said, like calling somebody by their name to say, thank you, Jennifer, or thank you, George, for who was a server, all those things connect you to that person in a really small way. Yeah. Another thing I love to do is remember people's birthdays. Everybody loves that their birthday's remembered. A Facebook even makes a big deal out of that. But I was doing that a long time ago because it's a way of showing, I care about you, I remembered your birthday. The more you give out that shows you care about other people, the more care and joy is going to come back to you, whether it's in a network or whether it's just in a in a group of ladies that you like to talk to. But make it a point to put it on your calendar. Schedule time with them. Let this unscheduled time that you have mean something. Plan something. Don't just do what you always did. Even if you went to a restaurant, order something different on the menu once in a while. Because otherwise, you'll never experiencing, experience anything new if you keep ordering the same thing over and over again. Well, that's a great metaphor for the whole universe. Whatever you're ordering from that cosmic kitchen, make sure that it isn't the same thing all the time. And adding to your network uh, means adding more people that you can wave to, say hello to, that you remember their birthday, that you get a smile from them. I mean, if you have a dog and you walk your dog at the exact same time, you won't meet all the people that if you go an hour later. I mean, there's such minor ways that you can add so much. 
And that's the point that um, anybody who's like me, who's done a book that wants to enhance your life, that's the kind of stuff that's so simple to do. And uh, I've got complex stuff too, but the simple stuff makes a huge difference. Absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm encouraging people certainly to go to your website and get a copy of your book, uh, read not just the book, but also maybe uh, take in those, uh, those Joeyisms. Uh, they they are, are something that I think can really benefit all of us uh, in, in respect to um, uh, just, just getting from one day to the next sometimes, or one minute to the next for that matter, uh, right. In terms of of realizing that, you know, we have such and this was one of the things that always frustrated me, that we have such great value. But there are so many uh, outside forces that and many times tell us we have no value. Uh, there were value less for whatever reason. I have to say that when I was working at the Christian radio station back in the 80s, early 90s, uh, during the heyday of the televangelists, I used to hear these messages about how 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 awful we were, how you know we were sinners, you know we all were born with original sin, and da 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 da. And I began to ponder that, and the conclusion that I came to in the in the mindset that I was at that time was that um, I thought, well, wait a minute, all right, if I buy into the philosophical discussion of uh, you know that that you know God created us and so on and so forth. If I buy into that, if I accept that as the reality, then um, I also uh, accept, of course, the sacrifice. Right? Well, mm-hmm. all right. But if you're going to sacrifice, if you're a parent, and you're going to quote unquote sacrifice something for your children so that they may have a better life. You're doing it because they have value. And what what that was what I was getting to what I'm getting to is that we were priceless before even with original sin as it were. How much more priceless are we after the fact? And the thing that always got me was the, the, the fact that churches wouldn't allow certain people into their church. Right. The gays and the prostitutes and those with AIDS and those with this and that and the other. And yet everything that I had learned from growing up as a Catholic was that that's what the church was for. That's who it was for, was the people who uh, were uh, of that ilk, if you will. And that's what really frustrated me more than anything was to hear these messages, to hear this exclusion of certain groups of people. Um, is there a, a, a story you can share with us of your own experiences where you learned about the, the whole uh, aspect of, I can't think of any other word to use, but inclusion where people were not being allowed in and and you just thought that's just not right i mean has that always been a part of your philosophy as you've uh, grown up i think it has and i think i was uh, one of the excluded for no reason that i understood so i didn't even realize it i think sometimes being naive was a great gift 
for me. But like I said, when I started my magazine, they didn't want those people. And I was obviously one of those people, whatever that meant. <clears throat> but they didn't they um, didn't like new people moving down from the Northeast and that kind of stuff. But I wound up um, feeling that inclusion is so key for a philosophy that I really love, which is called uh, science of mind. Maybe you've heard of it. Oh, yeah. It's like uh, centers of, for spiritual living. And when I first went there, I was so excited because I thought, my God, people think like me. Yay. And I stayed for every service and joined. I took the classes there. I became a practitioner in that church. And I find that for me, places that are inclusive make me feel good and places that restrict things kind of restrict me too. And in many cities, especially in California, there are centers for spiritual living, but that's just one thing. There's all kinds of new thought groups, uh, unity churches, um, all kinds of meetings and things. I think any of us can look online. It's so easy to find more things we could be interested in and just go check those places out. Like if you look in the new, your local newspaper, they always have services for different churches and spiritual centers that if you've never gone before, even if you just go to a different church, just see what it is. That's all part of my great belief that trying something new doesn't mean you have to go there forever. Just try it once. And another thing I think is give things a chance to grow on you. Give joy a chance to find you. Make an opening. Try something just a little bit different. It's not like you have to give up everything you've ever been taught. Just experiment by going one Sunday someplace else. See how it makes you feel. I really believe that the answer for happiness, for feeling good for me has been the more inclusive something is, the better. I find that people who tend to exclude people is because they just don't know any better, probably never met anyone like that. They've just been taught that and don't even realize they're carrying on a belief that they never checked out if it even works for them. You know, you know, one of the things that I, I hear when I listen to you speak is great confidence and assurance of what you're speaking about. I've had occasion where I've had guests before the interview who are very nervous and, and I just tell them, I say, um, Hey, I'm, I'm, uh, I, unless you know about nuclear physics, I will set those questions aside for this interview. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that seems to calm them down a little bit. I'm only going to ask you what you know about. Right. You know about this stuff. You've experienced it. You've lived it. You've shared it. You've written about it in your book. You can do it. And we encourage people to go to your website, joeygoodkin.com. Joeygoodkin.com is the website. And uh, look up the Joeyisms. I think you'll have a lot of fun. Joey Goodkin, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on Tell Me Your Story this year, uh, 2020, the year of perfect vision. 
I think that you have added some clarity to our lives and to our own inner vision as well. Uh, And even if you have repeated what others have said uh, in other interviews this year, uh, that's fine because it bears repeating over and over again because we're not getting the message that we need to go within to find the answers, to find the comfort, to find the support, the encouragement. And then that will bring to us, and this is a question, that will bring to us those people and experiences and environments that will help to foster and support that? Yes. Thank you so much, Richard, for having me on the show. And I am really, really delighted to have talked to you. I'd just like to say again that I spell my name J-O-I-E, and I pronounce it Joey. So joeygoodkin.com is J-O-I-E. And I just want to leave everybody with the parting thought that if it's to be, it's up to me. It's up to you to create the life you want. And don't be concerned if you're taking really small steps. It's all good. And thank you so much. You're very welcome. Before I let you go, uh, first of all, I want to remind our listeners uh, to go to your website again, joeygoodkin.com, J-O-I-E-G-O-O-D-K-I-N.com. I actually like that last name because it's it's a friendly name because it's like you're kin, and it's so good to be kin with you. I love it. Thank you. I love it. Thank you, Richard. Thank you so much. This has been a joy. Well, uh, first of all, if you ever find yourself out here in the Santa Barbara area, we would love to have you in studio to continue this conversation. Thank you. And then I have three final questions for you that I like to ask all all my guests. I may have asked them of you during the interview, and you may have addressed them, but I'd like to ask them pointedly. But a reminder to our listeners, go to joeygoodkin.com and also remember to listen to the podcast because you're going to get a whole lot more information uh, than just the 50 minutes that we are allotted on the radio program. First question to you is, who is Joey Goodkin? Joey Goodkin is an adult female with red hair who wants to bring more joy into your life, wants to help you be inspired, and wants to share the wisdom that she has learned over the years with you. I'm just a person who wants to be your friend and help you however I can. And we appreciate that as well. Second question is, What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? I think my true purpose is to bring more joy into the world. And the people that I come in contact with, whether I ever meet them like people listening now, my mission, my purpose is to add joy to your life. And I know that my book does this. And my being on the show hopefully has added some joy to your life and given you some inspiration that, yes, there's more you can do to enhance your own life and your own happiness. Well, and in a way, you've kind of answered my final question. What is your life's purpose? Well, I get to say it again. Absolutely. It's it's sharing joy. It's letting you know that you're just fine, just the way you are. Go from wherever you are, 
take little steps toward the goals that you've set for yourself. And if you haven't set any goals, I would suggest you close your eyes and think of, if I really could be doing anything right now, what would I like to be doing? Or what did I do that comes to mind that I remember I was really happy? That's a clue to get to know what it is about yourself that you can um, make an effort to enhance. And maybe effort's the wrong word. Make it easy. Just whatever's easy, little incremental things, whatever joy you can add to your life, whatever goals you have, even if it's just to get up 10 minutes earlier tomorrow morning and have an extra cup of coffee, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be profound. Just something that you're conscious of that is adding something to your life that wasn't there before that's making you feel good. Absolutely. Once again, thank you, Joey Goodkin, for joining us here on the program. And I thank you for listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until next time, love to lull.